Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I I came across a very interesting op-ed written by Professor Ross McKittrick, Professor of Economics and uh, CBE Fellow in Sustainable Commerce at the University of Guelph, where he specializes in energy and climate. And uh, the op-ed begins, Until the recent Canadian wildfires sent plumes of smoke over the densely populated cities around the Great Lakes and along the eastern seaboard, few people in those cities had ever experienced the weird orange haze of a forest fire or the temporary spike in fine particulates and pervasive smell of smoke. Understandably, many people reacted with alarm. We city dwellers typically only see wildfires on television, usually alongside footage of fire crews and water bombers valiantly trying to put them out, which creates the impression they are somehow unnatural events that must be avoided at all costs. In reality, writes Professor McKittrick, forest fires are not only natural, but essential to the life cycle of the forest ecosystem. Ross, thank you very much uh, for coming on the program. Uh, You carry on to say, though, in your piece, unfortunately, politicians, reporters, and climate activists rushed in to exploit this unusual event by pushing their agenda. Could you sort of expand on that thought? Yeah. Hi, Roy. Um, Well, it's uh, it's unusual to have the smoke plume go down over the the cities, as I mentioned, but it's not unusual to have forest fires. We have pretty good data in Canada back uh, at least to the 1960s and then um, patchy data before that. Um, The picture that people should have in mind is that um, starting in the 1700s up to the 20th century, there was a lot more uh, fire activity in the, the the forests in their natural state. We have aggressively suppressed forest fires in the 20th century, and so the number and the area extent of forest fires went down in the 20th century. Started going up again um, around 1960, and there's a host of competing explanations for that. But the number of forest fires went up until about 1990, and then it's been going down for the past 30 years or so. The area burns also went up until the mid-1990s, and it kind of leveled out. There's some really bad years in the late 80s. It's kind of leveled out since then. So um, looking at Canada as a whole, uh, it's very unclear what the long-term trends are, and there are no simple explanations from one year to the next about why we have a bad year this year, 2020, we had the lowest area burned in the historical record. So anyone who has a simple explanation of what's going on needs to realize the data is going to throw curveballs at you, and and there are just no simple stories here. Well, Prime Minister Trudeau, as you point out in your piece, uh, had a simple explanation, which he tweeted out. We're seeing more and more of these fires because of climate change. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's very convenient for a man who's trying to sell uh, carbon tax and very expensive climate policies, not that they would do anything about the forest fire situation anyway. Um, but as I've, I mentioned in that op-ed and in various interactions I've had on, on Twitter, um, it's not a simple climate change story. And uh, the expert groups like the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and Environment and Climate Change Canada, they don't claim that it is. Um, if it was climate change, for instance, we'd be seeing more area burned globally. But the area burned globally, which is monitored by satellite, has been going down for at least 15 years. And here in Canada, 
uh, Environment and Climate Change Canada put out a report back in 2019 on the changing state of Canada's climate. And they talked about fire weather index, which is a, a measure of the propensity for fires to burn. And they said there are some regions where it's been going up, other regions where it's going down. And amidst this decadal variability, the, this, these big ups and downs, it's very hard to spot trends. And even out west, the, the dryness issue, the, the drought portion of that index has been going down. So um, all of these things just keep coming back to, if, if you hear somebody saying, I can explain the whole thing, it's all climate change, it's all your fault, it's all climate change, uh, that's self-serving on their part, and it's not an accurate picture for people. And, and you know, I've heard that I've heard that a great deal, and uh, you know, in personal conversations, and certainly professionally. And I also find it interesting in your piece you write in an extensive discussion on the Royal Society blog back in 2020. U.S. UK forestry expert Stefan Dorr, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, and Christina Santin acknowledged that climate change may be making conditions for fire more favorable in some areas but also noted it's leading to reduction in other areas. So we, we just, do we just not know or are, have we just not managed the, you know, the, the, the land and the forests the way we should and allowed it to, uh, to create its own fire breaks? Or just, who's, I mean, if we're, if we're going to have to find a place to point the finger of blame, do we know where to point it? Um, well, again, I don't want people to have the impression that we face some kind of a crisis this year that's um, entirely out of line with the situation we've been managing for 150 years. Um, some years are worse than others. Now, the question, really, the policy question is, how do you manage the forest fire risk in the vicinity of places that people live? Right. And that's where we can legitimately say there were changes in forest fire management practices back in the 1990s. Um, Certainly in the United States, in response to uh, demands from environmentalists for better habitat protection for the snowy owl, the Clinton administration uh, heavily restricted um, things like controlled burns, forest thinning, um, the, the techniques that had been used to reduce the destructive potential of forest fires. And it was predicted at the time, and this is back in the 1990s, it was predicted, okay, you, you can do this, but it, you're going to have a higher risk of catastrophic forest fires. They will continue to break out. When they break out, they'll get out of control more quickly. And that was a point made by uh, the experts that you cited, that changing forest management regimes, which were motivated by the notion of this is going to be good for habitat protection, did create the risk that when forest fires get started, they're more likely to get large quickly out of control. Mm -hmm. On the Canadian side, I've had lots of interactions with people who work in the forestry sector since that op-ed came out. Some of them agree with it. Others say, well, it's anecdotal. We don't have very good data on it. Um, the issue of is there more fuel load uh, is, uh, again, it's it's a complicated question and the data is pretty limited. It's, it really comes down to some anecdotal uh evidence and some local records that uh, I think make a persuasive case that that's at least part of what's happened. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. 
Have a great weekend.